Welcome to The Millionaire's Lawyer, where you'll hear leading professionals share expert advice on how to grow your business and sell it for maximum profitability. If you want to learn lawyer-proven strategies for building and exiting your business, then this is the podcast for you. Your host, J.P. McAvoy, is a business lawyer, college professor, and best-selling author who has been assisting clients start, grow, and sell their businesses for millions of dollars for over 15 years. Will yours be the next? Now here's your host, J.P. McAvoy. David, it's great to see you again. Certainly very interesting times. Uh, great to be doing this chat with you again. Uh, I love revisiting the chats that we do. And it's fascinating to think how much has actually changed since the time that you and I first spoke. I guess it was just it was almost a year ago, or a little over a year ago. And now, how are you holding up? How are things on your end? I'm great. I'm having a good time. I like to have a quiet nest, like a cave that I can retreat to. And I feel like I am living in a uh, retreat here in Boulder, Colorado. So the pandemic hasn't impacted me as much as I think it would impact a lot of people who don't hermit naturally. But I just did a trip to Mexico. We, uh, Some friends and I quarantined, and then we got together without protection. And it was wonderful to feel normal and to hug people and to play games and connect. So I did find I'd, I'd miss that. Wow, that's so interesting. I want to explore both of those. Maybe we'll get to the second first, because so interesting in Mexico and, you know, as you say, after quarantine and sort of thinking things through, living sort of a more normal way, right? Or the way that we used to live. Where in Mexico were you? We went to a little mountain town outside of Mexico City called Valle de Bravo. Okay. And then we flew over to Baja and we got some beach time and a little little kite kiteboarding training. Wow, that's fantastic. So interesting. So Mexico, and I'm assuming, uh, I mean, I was part of the reason I want to have this conversation lead into this is because I spent the month of January in Baja. So I like to compare notes there. But first, for, you know, the small town, you, as you see, inside of uh, Mexico City, I'm like, how impacted are things there? Are they pretty much living, you know, again, what we would, would have considered to be normal prior to the pandemic? They're taking it very seriously. Oh, Mexico, Mexico is taking it very seriously. You know, you you get temperature checked when you get on a plane Mm -hmm. domestically and then a temperature check when you get off the plane as well. And my Airbnb host insisted that we wear not just face masks, but full plastic face shields whenever her staff came to visit and everybody's lining up for the vaccine in Mexico. So they're taking it very, very seriously now. They've Restaurants were closed in some states after five o'clock. So yeah, I was I was pleased to see that they're taking it seriously and really trying to get a handle on it because I think the numbers are a bit crazy in Mexico. And that's so interesting that that's what your uh, that's what your experience was. Was it same for Baja? Baja, they didn't close the restaurants at five, so that was a a difference. But they still checked our temperature when we got off the plane, you know, there's still, I I think most airlines aren't policing that people actually cover their face Mm -hmm. on the plane, which is one of my peeves. See, you know, there's a guy standing behind me waiting for the bathroom and he's, he's covering his mouth. I'm like, Hey, can you, that didn't go over very well. Uh, You're saying they are not policing. On the, on the airplane. I mean, 
really? You know, I I imagine there that you might get the odd conscientious flight attendant, but it's just it's so easy for you know. I saw kids had their mouth covered, and one kid didn't even have their mouth covered, just chatting. So, hmm. but you know, that's the way it is. I think even you know, if you take a domestic flight in the US, I don't know how on top of it they are. I think it's so easy for someone's mask to just slip down and the flight attendants to trying to cover so many things. Anyway, I want to make the point. I'm thinking maybe some people might judge me for traveling during the pandemic. This was my first flight and we did quarantine before we went. And of course, we quarantined when we got home. I also had three COVID tests. I had one before I left, one while I was there, and then one just before I got on the plane. Plus, I took a, you know, there's a lot of research out apparently now about ivermectin, which is an anti-parasitic. And I took, I loaded up on that to, you know, just as an extra layer of protection. It's so interesting as you say that, and I appreciate you clearly approach this very thoughtfully, right? As you do your business, you know, we'll talk uh, on the on the business side of things in a few moments, but I know that you can't tell anybody how to feel on this particular issue. That's one thing I've, uh, one thing I've realized. You're clearly somebody that's being very thoughtful in your approach to it. And you know, these are the experiences you're having, right? Or you're describing uh, the experiences you're having. I had a sort of a, I wouldn't say, I was going to say similar, but I won't say similar experience uh, for, as I say, the month of January in Baja. And it was an interesting time to be there. Same kind of thing, right? It's certainly an issue for some people as you discuss travel. Some people say it's certainly off limits and others uh, are certainly not so stringent. During the time, so the month of January in Baja, as we were there, I was there with my, uh, my wife and uh, her parents and our daughter. Again, traveling, people with mixed reactions to that. We had decided that uh, this was something that we were going to do and planned accordingly, just as you had, sensitive to. And our experience through the travel process is interesting in that we felt like we were being policed on the planes. Uh, it was certainly the flight attendants were on people to ensure that they uh, had to, were keeping their masks on. And they say it was fairly diligent. And the testing, everything as you're describing, was certainly there. So lots of uh, testing through. And during the time that we were in Baja, it's interesting having gotten there. We didn't feel as though it was, uh, well, it wasn't as we were experiencing at home during the time we were there during the month of January. They, I think in Baja, were doing something similar where they were suggesting that, I guess, they're going from one color to another color. I think they went from green to orange or something like that as their sort of track numbers. Certainly the numbers were down. We were watching them there, but they uh, got to the spot where, as I say, for the first week or two there, we saw very little in the forms of uh, control, certainly masking and things like that, but the restaurants and things seemed to be open. And it got to the spot where it seemed like things were closed a bit more, a little bit more restricted, which was very interesting for us to see. We did all kinds of tests and everything that to return. And upon return, felt like the stringency levels had gone up again. So it'll be interesting to see how this sort of cycles itself through. And just to see, it is interesting to travel to see how uh, different areas are actually, uh, are actually dealing with, right? Or uh, there's so much that's being determined at a local level. And so to see what the influences of particular local levels are having, and that's happening right across the states as well. You see that it's fascinating to watch. Where is it? Texas and Mississippi now, right? Where they're just sort of throwing their hands up now and saying, that's it. Which, as I say, is not without controversy as well. So fascinating to watch sort of the, the, the differences as it evolves. And I think that's a good way to sort of maybe segue into the first part, you know, going way back to we began the conversation. The first part of what uh, you were mentioning is how business has evolved, how the way people do things has evolved. From our first conversation, you were already set up and helping people be set up in ways that would 
we'll say leverage technology, right? Or making sure that they're sensitive to the way technology is being used. It clearly hasn't been a huge impact in the way that, or change the way that you do business yourself. What is your, you know, in a broader, from a broader vantage point, what is your view with respect to how business itself has been impacted or transformed as a consequence of some of the things we just discussed? Yeah, well, one thing that's, I think, become more important is your value proposition because people are a bit tighter with their money. The economy is not doing as well as it was. And so, you know, I had a great conversation with Marshall Goldsmith, who's a lovely man. And he said to me, look, what you were selling before might not work now. So I, at the time I was uh, working with corporations and I was making the pitch, you'll increase productivity. He said, that's not the pitch to make now. Yes. The pitch is, how are you going to survive? How are you going to be around in five years? It's not about retention because people are grateful to have a job now. So one thing I've been doing with my clients is really having them zero in on what are the pain points that their market are facing and then how are you going to solve that? So your messaging has to be even more lasered, more crisp than it was before. It's interesting. As you say, there has been that shift for many where it is literally just survival now for many businesses, for many people, isn't it? I mean, we, we hear that. So yeah, as you talk about addressing or from a business perspective, that shift has occurred. It's quite unfortunate people are in a spot where it is survival. So what does that conversation look like then? You say if you're, if you're talking to somebody in survival mode, as opposed to, you know, what traditionally we've been talking about sort of flourish, right? A lot of what the subject for the millionaire's lawyer is flourishing, right? To taking yourself to sort of that next level. When it's survival, what is the conversation like? Yeah. And it's not necessarily that my clients are in survival mode, but there are whole audience. industries. There are whole industries in survival mode right now. Yeah. It's, it's just and their customers, their customers might be in that. So for example, I have one client who's an interior decorator. That's her business. She does design and decoration. And before it was like, oh, let's beautify your home and make it something that feels good. We changed the messaging to you deserve a home that reflects you. You deserve a nest during this pandemic that you love because, you know, you're spending now 95% of your time at home before maybe it was okay. You got by with a few things, but now it's like you really deserve to have a nest that reflects you. That is so astute, isn't it? That's so astute. I mean, that's again, the shift, you know, to describe what we're talking about. Uh, We're seeing it in in real estate. So as you say, we deserve a home. And then I'm sure we're, I mean, the demographics are shifting. The way people live and work is shifting. And so a business such as that, as you described, she's probably also, and I'm sure one of the things you guys look at is for people looking at new properties saying, Hey, I I can shift or I can move, maybe move out of an urban area. I'm sure Bennett Boulder is a beneficiary of that. People leaving what, Denver or people leaving California for crying out loud, right? And deciding that they'd rather be in a place like Boulder. You must be seeing yeah. that type of shift occur as well, right? I don't know about where people are moving geographically, but there are a number of things that business owners can no longer afford. So one of them is loose messaging. We can't afford that anymore. Another one is we can't afford to go a mile wide and an inch deep anymore. It was always going to hurt us to do that. But now I'm really, I've got a number of clients, I'm really helping them focus because if you go a mile wide and an inch deep, you're not going to be successful anywhere. We want to go an inch wide and a mile deep. So for some of them, it's how do you tighten up your target market? For me, I wanted to work with entrepreneurs and executives 
and leaders of any kind. That's too loose. So I tightened up. Now I focus on entrepreneurs who are already successful and they want to double revenue in their time off. I've had to really laser. We can't afford to be scattered regarding our productivity. So maybe before you could wake up and check email and check your voice messages and get lost for two or three hours. Hey, you know, we need to tighten the belt and really focus. So I recommend that you work out what's going to move the needle in your business the day before. So you wake up knowing what it is and don't check your messages. Go and do those two things that really matter for your business. And then you can go and check messages. So there's a few of the areas that we're tightening up before you could get away with it. And now not so much. You're hitting it uh, out of the park here, David. Uh, it's so interesting as you say, you know, tightening the belt as you describe it, but uh, really with a laser focus honing in, it harkens back to our conversation from last time for me. Uh, and I wonder actually, I mean, you've written on the subject, obviously. I, I think your book is Get Paid for Who You Are. I'm wondering from this thinking, is there a new chapter? Would there be a new chapter? Would there be a new book? There is going to be a new book, actually. Get Paid for Who You Are. It feels like a past life now. People just kept saying to me, how do you... How do you have such a successful business working from home and just choosing where you want to live and choosing your own hours? It's kind of like four-hour work week kind of thing. So I did a four-hour work week book, but with one specific strategy that you could follow and showed you step by step. Because after reading Tim Ferriss's book, it's like, what do I do now? So I wrote that. But the book that seems to be wanting to come out of me right now is all about communication and relationships and influence. And it's called Name That Mouse because the elephant is not the only animal in the room. And is that the late, I like, so, and that's, uh, I think the same, same concept, right? Focusing in is what your focus is. Well, that's an interesting question. I wonder where focus does come into this. This is about, like say between you and me, we're chatting and whatever. There's a lot of things that might be going on in my head or in my emotions or in my body sensations that I don't reveal to you. There's a lot that I don't reveal to myself. I may not even know that. Oh, I you just may not even little, be aware, right? That's a big, yeah. I just, oh, I just got some tension in my belly yeah. or, oh, I just felt a little sad when you said that, or maybe you said something and I felt a little bit judged. And this is happening all the time between yeah. two people. Now, we all relate to the elephant in the room. That's something where you know it, I know it, but no one's saying anything. But a lot of animals are much more subtle in the room, and I call them mice. And it might be simply like at the beginning, I was wondering, were you five minutes late? Or were you thinking that I was five minutes late because mm -hmm. I couldn't get into the room? Mm -hmm. We addressed it. That was me naming a mouse. But so often we don't name the mice and then they breed. And so this book's going to be all about finding the mice in your, in your life, in your relationships, and then naming them so that they no longer have any power and they don't separate you from the other person. I love it. It's a great concept. And uh, the thinking behind it strikes me as higher level as well. My question this way, you know, from your, from your focus is it's, High performers or people that are already at a certain level, you're looking to take them to that next level. Yeah, This concept is one really not for the beginner, is it? I mean, everybody could be benefiting from it, but the reality is what you're talking about, the types of things that somebody that is honing in right, or focused on this, 
to realize, hey, these are impacting things in this way. And if I recognize it, I'm not trying to write the book here or trying to, I'm just trying to sort of elaborate the concept because it strikes me as something that would be for, you know, an advanced learner and a concept that people can apply to take themselves to the next level. Would that be fair to say? I like that approach. It makes me think about tennis as a metaphor. If you're learning tennis, you'll start with basic things like grip and just, can I get the ball over the net? My clients are usually looking for like, how do I serve an ace? How do I really work on my top spin? How do I be excellent? And so it is true. If you're okay with just basic communication and all of the mind, the landmines that come with that and the, you know, avoiding tough conversations and basically telling white lies, if you're okay operating at that level, then yeah, you're not going to go and read a book like this. But the people that I'm drawn to and that are drawn to me, they're always looking for how do I be better? I want more influence with my team. I want more influence and connection with my kids. I don't want any my son named with my kids, with my partner, with my business partner. So yeah, I like your approach. It is a little bit advanced. Any beginner could take the book and just start practicing naming mice, but it's usually people who read self-help books have self-selected. They're like, I want to be better at what I do. People who hire coaches have self-selected. I want to be better. I'm not arrogant enough to think that I know everything. I know I'm good, but I know that with help I can get better. That's a winning combination. The mouse in the room here should have that phone shut down. My apologies for that. We'll leave that in because that mouse is kind of punctuating the point. And yeah, you just named a mouse. Exactly. Like, you could have out. had that. You could have had that happen and not say anything. And that's fine. No big deal. But hey, let's just name it. Hey, I just noticed that happened. I apologize. We'll leave it in. Yeah. And there's, I, I think there's more power to that, as you say, recognizing that these things and, and moving forward. You talked about, and you certainly do it, as I say, I was energized by our last conversation. I'm energized by this one again, David, for when you talk about being better, right? Or working with people to be better. I'd like to dig into that. So when we say being better, like what are some of the things we can do to be better? I love that question. And I want to name a mouse that, you see, I want this to become mainstream a language in our society. That's one of the reasons I'm writing the book so that people can say, hey, can I name a mouse with you? And people will know what that means. I've even said to someone, hey, can I name a mouse with you? Do you know that expression? And of course, they don't. I say, oh, well, let me tell you about it. It's like an elephant in the room, but it's just much smaller. And then they're like, oh, Because yeah, exactly. okay. as soon as you say it, it makes, oh, yeah, of course, it makes sense. And then, yeah, yeah it's, certainly, it's certainly very quickly. Because as you say, name the mouse, not immediately, but as you say, well, it's not the elephant in the room, it's the mouse. Immediately, it takes it to where you know, the concept is going with it. Yeah, and it's not a big deal. So I just want to name a mouse with you. When I first got on this call, you told me you were really looking forward to this call. And then just again, you said, I'm energized by this and I've, uh, I'm energized by our last conversation. Has me feel really welcomed here and more relaxed. So thanks for saying that. That's great. That. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, I would, yeah. Th- th- thank you. That's uh, triggered, for showing me as well that when you come and naming the mouse, immediately I was thinking it always had to be like the negative thing, right? Or you know, when you talk about the elephant in the room, it's always about the negative thing. But you're saying no, it's not just that. It's actually the little thing that's going on, and uh, yeah. this is going on for me right now. Yeah, brilliant. It, it's reality. It's my reality. I'm sharing a piece of my world with you, and then maybe that brings up something for you right? Which it just did. You're like, oh, I think that's really cool. And 
let's say you wanted, we want to take this further, you might notice a sensation or you might notice a feeling that happens. And so you share that. And now what's happening is we're ping-ponging back and forth, sharing our own worlds and getting more and more and more connected. Whereas what normally happens in relationship is I jump over all my sensations and my thoughts and whatever, and I come up with some kind of conclusion, like a computer program that spits out the output, but you don't know how it got there. And then you do the same, and then I do the same, and it's kind of like two minds trying to just connect. This is another way where we can actually create true intimacy and influence. And I keep saying influence because I care about intimacy, but I know that a lot of business owners, like, where's the practical application? <laughs> and it's like, I just want you to know, yeah, there's there's a lot of uh, feel-good stuff that comes out of it, but you will have more influence and you will have more impact if you start naming mice. Yes. Let's build on that point. Uh, what you just described is a concept that a former guest on the, on the show talked about, which was as you say, that influence, right? So to apply to a business setting, because it's great, obviously, to, to connect with people is a great thing at a human level to even a business focus. That level of sharing and intimacy creates great teams as well, yeah. right? Uh, so businesses that are with a goal, you know, so to move uh, an objective forward, well, to have people motivated, connect with each other is actually good for the output of the business as well to turn it into a, you know, a more of a, you know, a business type sense uh, and so going back to even being better, right? So being better by being, you know, willing to connect and share, you're going to actually build stronger teams. It's going to actually have an input on the business, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. I liked your question before about how can we be better? I've identified, I'll give you the really quick version. I've identified three big buckets and within each of these, I break it down into three different areas. So there's nine areas that I recommend all business owners assess themselves on. You can test yourself and see where you're strong and where you're weak because the plan for one person is going to be different to the plan for someone else. Right? You don't want to go and do a nine-point plan if you're already strong in six of the points. So the big buckets are your productivity, your revenue, and your team. Oh, interesting. Those team is actually the third of those. Okay. Yeah. And then within the first one, your productivity, you want to be very clear on where you're heading. So plot your course, be very clear on your goal setting and do that regularly, uh, like every week and also daily. What am I going to do tomorrow that really matters? And then the second one in there is your productivity. When you sit down to do something, let's say for a two-hour sprint, and I'm hoping everybody listening to this does book sprints into their calendar do you actually switch off everything and are you able to go from A to B to C instead of getting distracted? It's very difficult for most humans, but this is where you can double your productivity. It's not that hard to do it. It's not that complex. And then the last bucket within productivity is your mindset. What is your mindset? When something happens, someone says something, do you view it as a problem or are you like, hey, bring it on. Let's see what we can do about this. And I think that the name that mouse bit might come into that bucket. It's like, are you transparent? Mm -hmm. Are you motivational with your team? So that's the first bucket. The second bucket is money. 
All right, more money is better than less money. So that's where we look at your leads. Do you have a flood of leads or do you have a trickle? We look at your conversion. When people do come to your website, are they buying? Are they getting on your nurturing sequence? And, or are they buying three weeks later because of your automated system? And then the last piece within that is, are you loving up your existing customers? It's so easy to keep looking for new customers, but how are your upsells? How are your referrals? How are your testimonials? Really, we want to make the most of the relationships we already have. There's, there's no margin in that. It's interesting as you, as you describe. I guess maybe that's, uh, as you say, in your terms, loving up. But interesting you say leads conversion. I guess that's maybe a subset or you're talking about the three and then you, you drill down further, right? It's just interesting that you, so many business people talk about the margins for uh, the actual work that they're doing as well. Is that uh, a deeper? What do you mean by margins? So how profitable, you know, if, so if you're choosing one lead over another, is one lead uh, actually more profitable lead and do you pursue that one over another? Yeah. Well, when we, when we dive into your, your flood of leads, that's where we start to dial in on your messaging. So what is your target market? What are their pain points? You know, do you have the most profitable product? That's, we have to get into that because a, a bunch of leads that don't give you, you know, are the wrong people are useless. So yeah. you, yeah, you spotted that really well. And then the last bucket is your team mm-hmm. because with most business owners, the bottleneck is you, right? So what we do is clarify your genius. That's week seven. What is it that you love to do that you're really good at? And then let's work out all the other stuff that you're going to farm off. And then the next piece is to hire the talent. A lot of people get stuck with that. It's not easy. And it's maybe one of the most important things you can do as a business owner is get really good people. And then the last piece is the motivation. How's the accountability? How's the goal setting for your team? Are they motivated? Do they love working here? Is there a safe space? And this is also where Name That Mouse comes in. Is there a safe space for them to speak up and say, hey, this really bugs me, or I don't like that, or I could really use this? It's hard to say that to your boss. So it's your job to make it safe enough for your team to actually be able to speak up. How do we do that? That's so... Again, so astute, but how do we do that? How do we create that space? It all comes down. It's certainly well within the ambit of motivation, as you say, right? Because it's somebody that has that feeling as well is going to be inspired and is going to uh, be motivated as well. But what, yeah, what is there, are some of the things that the leader can do to create that safe space, create a space where people are motivated? Yeah. Well, one great idea is in your meetings, in your group meetings, and also in your one-on-one meetings, you can ask some very specific and important questions. For example, I like the start, stop, continue spectrum. What's one thing that I should keep doing as a manager that is productive and is helping? What's one thing that I should stop doing that's getting in the way? And what's one thing that I should start doing that would Mm. be more helpful for the company or for you? So I think that's a great, great idea. And the other thing you can do is you can model it. You can bring up the name the mouse concept and you say, let's start naming more mice. Let's talk about more elephants. Let's talk about the smaller animals in the room. And I'll, I'll start. I'm a little nervous about bringing up this concept with the team because it's new and I don't know how you guys are going to feel about it. So you can model that. And, you know, some people say, well, where's the limit? with how much you reveal. Yeah, look, you're not going to go to the board and say, 
I'm freaking out. We're heading off a cliff. I got no solution. I don't know what to do. We're not going to do that. You do that with your coach. But then you might go to the board and say, I'm imagining some of you might be worried. I can understand that. I am too. We don't have all the solutions yet, but we will find them. Right. So there yeah, are ways. Yeah, and that's because you've worked that through with your coach. And as you say, you've, you've, exactly. uh, you've refined to the point where it uh, then is filtered uh, to the appropriate audience. That's great. That's great stuff. Yeah. But I, I love like role model vulnerability, role model naming a mouse. I just, there's a woman that I was set up with as a kind of a blind date because I'm, I'm single, ladies. I'm available looking for go. a life, life partner. And she said, you know, she had a, there was something off in our communication. I'd asked a question a couple of times and she sent back messages ignoring it. And so finally I, I left a message and I said, hey, I just want to be upfront. I don't want to ghost you. I want to be upfront. I feel like I'm not really interested in relating any further because you keep skipping this topic. And so my trust in you goes down and that's okay. And I'm open to that changing in future. But just if I'm not responding, this is why. And she got back and said, I think I just fell in love with you. Because <laughs> nobody ever hears that, right? I mean, that's amazing communication. And I, I knew that by naming the mouse, I would either push her away and she'd run for the hills or she'd be drawn closer. That's the way it works. And she said, I think I just fell in love with you with how clear you are. Like, this is the kind of communication that I want. So you never know. When you name a mouse, you are taking a risk. Someone may quit. If you make a, I've got a little PDF that we've created. It's a trailer for the book and it's got illustrations of different mice. And one type of mouse is a, a confession mouse. So if you do a confession mouse and you tell your partner that you cheated five years ago, you might lose the relationship. So, you know, I'm not saying it's all fun and games. You are rolling the dice. I am saying nine out of 10 times. In my experience, it's worth it. Even if you lose the relationship, maybe that's what was supposed to happen. Or maybe the person gets upset and then you get to repair it. But I'm a proponent for let's name most of those mice and stop letting them breed and just pretending that we're connected. Yeah, so interesting. You know, in the context of teams, interesting motivating teams, finding the right the right amount of that to do, and then and you say it's audience specific or where where you're doing it, because you know this impacts all areas of life as well. The concept as well uh, can be applied to all areas of life. Are there times when? Well, I guess, no, you've even said that you actually introduced the concept in a way, and then that invites to go as it may, right? I think that's what you're saying. You're, that part of the process is to do just that. So I think I understand that. Uh, I think it's great advice. You described uh, the, the, the questions or the way that you have that set out. How can people find that? Where's the right place to go for that type of information? Oh, for name or, that or, yeah, yeah, maybe it's not there yet. You were just describing you have a... Uh, it's, a it's a little early, but you can go to namethatmouse.com. Wow. Okay. And we're calling for stories. If you have an example where you named a mouse with someone, you know, it could be an emotion, a sensation, a feeling, a frustration, or something good, and you took a bit of a risk and you got a positive result, we're collecting stories. So you can go to name that mouse oh, and brilliant. provide your story. We're going to launch a Kickstarter campaign. And so I'll put a link up at name that mouse to the Kickstarter campaign. We're doing it to see if the world wants this book. 
we've created a beautiful PDF that's illustrated. And, you know, for just a few dollars on the Kickstarter campaign, you can get the PDF. And I hope you'll share it with the world because if we raise even a, I think we're going to set it at a tiny amount, like $1,500, just as a test to see if people want this book in the world. And if we get raise that amount of money, then we'll use that to, you know, $1,500 going to go a long way. It's just, yeah, as you say, it's just a, a marker for it, but that's great. Yeah, yeah we'll, put, we'll put that on our side as well. And, you know, as I say, I'm not trying to uh, hurry the process along, but if you've got something up there, that's great. We'll steer them towards that because it'll be interesting to see the feedback that comes from that. And it may evolve yeah. what you do as well, right? Depending on that feedback. Yeah. And I'm excited because this is the first time, this is the first interview where I've really talked about the book and the Kickstarter campaign. And we have been waiting because we wanted to get a big name to endorse the book, but that kind of stalled for a little bit. And now I'm thinking, maybe we just do it. We just talk about it and just, you know, do some podcast interviews and just seed it and see if people really like it as much as I do. I think it could change the world, this concept. I want people to come up to me and say, hey, can I name a mouse with you? Be like, yeah, go ahead. That's what I want for the world. Yeah, if you drill down to it, because there is so much value in that. Now, it's interesting you say looking for the name there, because, I mean, for your first book with Jack Canfield, does it get a lot of boost to actually have him participate in the way he did with that book? And are you looking for the same kind of thing for Name That Mouse? You're spot on. I think it opens a lot of doors. Even now, I don't really talk about that last book, but in the intro, it says, David wrote, Get Paid for Who You Are with Forward by Jack Canfield. That opens a lot of doors. People are like, oh, well, this guy must be a serious player. Right, I've distinguished myself from the pack. So, same with the book. It'd be nice to have a big name. I'm hoping for. I won't say say who. There's there's someone that uh, I I will ask if they would do it, and if they do, it's going to be a big name, and I think it'll just give it some extra credibility. Okay, so it's it's just extra oomph, right? I guess is what I'm hearing you say. Yeah, as with the previous, yes. Yeah, I don't want to ask Jack again. He's done so much for me, but I might go to. There are some other names that I can ask, you know, I, and I will get somebody on there. But even without any name, I want to see, like, do people, when they get the PDF, are they like, oh, this is amazing. I'm going to go and practice on everybody. I'm going to share this with my email list. I'm going to put this on Facebook. Let's get this book into the world. That's my question because I know I would like to see it in the world, but I've learned, I'm 52 years old, I've learned don't go and you know put blood, sweat, and tears into a product that you don't know the world wants. So that's why we're doing the Kickstarter. That's great, and you know there's another lesson from that as well for business owners. Like we're saying the same thing in business owners is the market evolves, right? So you can't know exactly now what the end product is going to or what the end result is going to be in, in five years' time, right? But you plant the seeds now, watch it grow, and it may it may take a different shape set in the form of that growth, uh, and be willing to to change with it, right? And keep it, just keep it moving forward. Uh, that's the whole goal for anything, for any goal uh, you're seeking to achieve. Yeah, that's right. And, you know, listeners can vote with their, their wallet and they can vote with their posting. That's how you vote. It's like, you know, even three bucks will will go towards this thing and then you get the PDF and then, you know, particularly if people start sharing it on Facebook, hey, go to this Kickstarter campaign. Let's get this book. Let's have these guys write this book. I think that'd be really good. Cool. That's great. Well, that's the way it happens. Uh, so as I say from our conversation before, I enjoyed, and we were talking about checking in and so much has happened since we did talk. It'd be interesting to check. I'm looking forward to checking in back with this and maybe the focus of our next chat will actually be, will actually be the book. When we uh, spoke last time, a lot of the focus was doing some of the mindset things, 
right? And it's interesting through the conversation we've had today, I can hear that there's even been a shift in that, right? For the mindset, I really hear being honing in, right? Or making sure that people are not looking, I think as you described, you know, a mile wide and an inch deep, right? We're trying to get really dig deeper, which is frankly what name, naming the mouse is as well, right? It's getting deeper. As you were describing the concept earlier, you were talking about messaging for people. Can you give other examples of other things that uh, you're seeing in terms of uh, that messaging? Like we, we cited the uh, person's redefining their business the way they're working within yeah. spaces. But for businesses or marketing sort of more broadly to the market, and I guess so much of it's happening online now, what other messaging is, uh, I guess, what would you say more, I wouldn't say more topical, but more relevant to today's environment? Well, you know, and if if I could take it a little broader, please there's, do. There's something Clay Collins came up with something called the five ones, and I think it's just a brilliant way of seeing how scattered you are in your current business. So you look at your target market, pick one, right? So instead of entrepreneurs and executives and leaders and nonprofit, you know, whatever, I picked uh, entrepreneurs, right? And it's very well defined. You're already up and running. You're doing well. You care about personal growth. You want to double revenue and your time off, right? And even that's a little scattered. But you pick your target market and then, so not five target markets, pick one. And then what's the problem, the main problem they have? For my market, the main problem is they want more money. They want to grow and they want to grow faster, that's the main one. Now, there are other things that they care about and I care about and we get into those, but one for the messaging, right? I will help you double your revenue in the next 12 months. Boom, right? So we got problem and then we've got the solution. One target market, one problem, one solution. Now, my solution is an eight-week program. The Samurai program, eight-week program, group coaching, there's my solution, right? So we've got three ones already. The fourth one, and I've expanded beyond the five ones because I couldn't help myself, but the fourth one is what's your traffic source? I know it's tempting to do social media and SEO and alliances and, you know, maybe print advertising. Like you, we want to do it all, Facebook ads. Pick one traffic source to go deep with. And then the fifth one is one conversion tool. Like when they come to your website, what's the conversion tool? Is it a PDF? Is it a video? Whatever. Pick one, not five. And we're already up to the five ones, but I, as I said- yeah, But that is, as you say, pick one. And this is what, I guess, part of the theme of this conversation is focus in on that. Make that the one, right? Because it's, I mean, you talk about shiny object syndrome and all these things where people get scattered, right? And they just, they lose their focus. And they don't become really successful at any one thing for that reason. So you're saying just the opposite. Let's be good at this. That's right. And the last one, and I think we're up to six now because I extended it, is (laughs) one year. Oh, for one year. Give yourself one year to go really deep in each of these areas. And then if the year is done or you've hit a million in revenue, okay, now you can add a second target market, you can add a second traffic source, you can, you know, whatever you do, whatever you want. I think it's a wonderful tool. Go through your business and just write down each of these areas and see how many you have. Do you have one? Do you have five in each of these areas? 
I often start my clients with something like this so that we can just get a sense of how scattered are you right now? How many balls are you trying to juggle? So that's my alarm for my next, uh, to tell me I've got another 10 minutes. And I did try and turn it down so that it would be less invasive. And it decided, no, it was going it, to. It, and for a very good reason, naming that mouse, it's clear that the, you know, the countdown is on. We need to squeeze every ounce out of the next 10 minutes that we possibly yes. can, right? So yeah, that's why that was triggering us to make sure that we uh, did just that. You just mentioned one year, right? It was the last one for that one year. What yeah. do uh, things look like for you in a year's time? Again, love revisiting these chats. So in a year's Ooh. time, what do things look like for you? What a great question. I might steal that if you don't mind and, and do. start using it with, because I ask, sometimes I, I say, I ask in a different way, but I like that. Well, how do things look in a year? I'm actually having a pretty good time right now. Personally, I'd like to have a, a partner, a long-term partner would be great. I'm looking for a new home right now because the owners are going to come back and move into this home. So those in things- In Boulder though? Are you going to stay in Boulder? Yeah. Yeah. So those things matter to me. I'm already enjoying how my business is. I love my clients. I love, see, I wrap what I care about in what my clients care about. So we start with more money and more time off. But I just coached a client yesterday. She's like, how do I support my husband? He's having a hard time and I just don't know how to help him. I love that stuff. Like what a beautiful question. Let's get into it. And so I was so lit up. I'd like to see more people in the Samurai program because the more people that come in, the more people are feeding off each other and supporting mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. So that's fun. I'd like to, to see it so that I've actually got to hire people to come in and do some of the, the side coaching. And then I do the main coaching. And I'd like to see this book in print, Name That Mouse. I think that'd be cool if the world wants it. If it doesn't, that's okay. And I love talking to people like yourself. I guess I actually like what I'm doing and I don't need a lot to change. It's great to be able to say and that. I didn't yeah. realize that until you yeah. asked me that. And it's, it's such a thoughtful answer. Thanks for sharing that. And yeah, well, you, you can see you're putting into practice what you teach as well, right? Thinking that through and you're checking off a lot of the boxes yeah, that you've aspired to in your own life. There's, there's a couple of areas that you're looking for. And it'd be interesting to see how that updates and maybe even something from this podcast emerges. Uh, you never yeah. know, right? But you put it out there and you focus on the things. Again, going to the theme that we talked about is you focus in on those things and that's what tends to turn. I've always found that for me, you know, like life is made up of, it's like a, if you think of a pie, like all these different pieces in, in the pie, right? And I always find that when you focus on one or you become, you pay attention to one, that one flourishes, that one grows. And what and tends to happen is, other ones, if they get neglected, they tend to require that attention. Let me just say that. So, for example, I mean, even I mean, I've got a got a actually a very little example is I've got uh, one of my properties. I own a number of properties. The market is so hot now. My agents called me up and said, "Look, you got to put a property on the market. You got to be selling at, at these points." And it was kind of interesting because I was just there this morning and realizing that it had been neglected a little bit. Right, I spent some time there doing a couple things on it. And I've got a couple of people going in to, to fix it up a little bit. That is like an analogy for life as well. When you look at that thing and fix that area up again, it shines. And that's what you need to be doing in all aspects of your life, right? Checking in on occasion, putting the effort into it, and it grows from there, right? So I like what we've been talking about here is you got to realize what those things are, focus on them, and then obviously spend a business context. Yes, that's what we do a lot for this podcast, but it extends and it's so much more than than just business, 
a lot of the concepts you teach are, of course, they assist with a business, but they also assist with life success, don't they? I mean, that's what you're yeah. talking about. Exactly. And what we've done today, I'd like to see more of this in a year. So I've been talking a lot about focus and productivity. These things are important. I've realized the stuff that really juices me is naming the mouse. It's having the yeah. tough conversations. It's finding your edges and riding those edges. So being 30% more courageous, telling the truth 30% more, those things really light me up. So I'd like to see that I'm having more conversations like this one in a year's time and perhaps holding up the book and say, go and get it, get it for your team, get it for your whole company, get it for your kids. I'd love to see Name That Mouse for Kids as well. Yeah, I'm feeling quite lit up right now. You've helped me realize I, because there's part of the brain that says, okay, chase the money. Then there's the other part that says, and we've got to do what serves the world. So this one is a labor of love for me, the name of that mouse. This is about, this is potential legacy. I love it, David. I really enjoyed this chat again. I know we're short on time. I know that uh, we both have uh, our next calendar uh, item coming up, but uh, I appreciated your time again today. I look forward to checking in. Let's continue to do this and say our last chat uh, left me the same way. And I know our listeners the same way. Let's do the same thing. We'll check in. Hopefully we maybe, hopefully it's actually, you know, well, however this has evolved the project to then, and maybe we're making some announcements next time we're chatting as well. I'd Move love to. Project forward. Yeah. I'd love to. And I, I have a little gift basket of yeah, goodies so I was for say, listeners. With that, on that note, how can people find for the things we talked about today? We, we talked about, for, you know, and I know you just got a little, something, a starter up for uh, a name that matters, but yeah, otherwise, I mean, for your core business and what you're doing regularly, how do people find it? What can you offer there? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so if you're interested in Name That Mouse, go to namethatmouse.com and you can be part of the Kickstarter campaign and and make this book uh, real. For business owners, uh, what I've put together is we touched on the nine areas to assess yourself. I created a training and it's 35 minutes. It used to be two hours. I boiled it down to 35 minutes where you can go through and I will show you how to assess yourself in each of those nine areas and work out the plan for you to double your revenue. And if you want to see if you're a fit for the Semurai program, you can do that too at this same link. I also created a cheat sheet because some people are like 35 minutes. I don't have 35 minutes. So I've created a cheat sheet that gives you, tells you how to double your productivity in half the time. Like achieve twice as much as half the time. It's a little cheat sheet. You can get all of those things at myfocusgift.com because I want to give you the gift of focus. So myfocusgift.com. That's wonderful stuff. David, thank you for that. We'll have that all in the show notes as well. Thank you for your time today, for your sharing today. I look forward to the next chance we get to connect on these issues. Yeah, pleasure. Good to see you, JP. Take care. We'll be in touch. Thanks for listening to The Millionaire's Lawyer. Please subscribe and rate on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast. To get your business millionaire assessed and to access the wide variety of resources that we offer in addition to this podcast, go to jpmacavoy.com. That's J-P-M-C-A-V-O-Y dot com.